my advice would be be honest with yourself, acknowledge the wonderful opportunity in the industry, pick one brick, find ways to handle the freedom. And and the last one for me and the most important, just be a good person. It's amazingly how long, how far, just been a good human can take you. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, Editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome to the studio Mark McLeod from Ray White for our end of year wrap. Mark, how are you going? Feels weird calling you Mark. Well, well, (laughs) it's funny. I was in an office this morning and uh, there was a couple of new people and they introduced me as Macca. And the lady put out and said, what's his real name? And so I don't think some people actually knew. But it's great to be here, Sam. Great to see you on the coast. Um, certainly uh, certainly a great part of the world to be. So welcome to be a Queenslander. Yeah, well, um, with the end of year recap, I was just looking through and it, it was nice to see that New South Wales actually had a one in the <laughs> win in the state of origin yeah. this weekend. Everyone says to me, uh, are you conflicted now? And I'm like, no, it's state of origin, not state of residence. Exactly. But um, but it is it is good to be here. Okay, so you ready to, let's look at 2021, the mm-hmm. year that was, and um, and then let's look at how we're, how we're shaping up yep. or the, how the industry is shaping up coming into 2022. So... Um, um, so January started with a bang this year. If you cast your mind back, it was American presidential elections, mm-hmm. and um, I think the Capitol was was stormed in January, and Joe Biden was inaugurated as president. It was seems like ages ago, doesn't it? It does. It feels like it was about seven years ago. And then the RBA came out and tipped that property prices could increase by thirty percent in as little as three years. What do you think about that? Well, let's go back. You know, when you look at the pandemic and pre pandemic, post-pandemic, it's kind of all blended in together. And I've always said, and O'Brien's taught me this over the years, there's only two types of forecasters, those that don't know, and those that don't know, they don't know. And I don't think anyone really could have predicted what had happened. I've been in the industry for a long time. I saw the other day um, in your magazine where you called me a veteran. It was actually the first time I've ever, ever seen the name veteran. Oh, and, no, I don't like that word. Somebody and, else used that word. Uh, well, well, I saw the word veteran. I went, I'm too young to be a veteran because I still think like I'm young, but clearly I'm obviously getting a little bit older. So I, I don't think anyone could have predicted what happened. Um, this is certainly in my career been the biggest run I've ever seen in my career. And I say that we've seen markets across previous times like WA be on fire. We've seen WA, you know, be struggling or challenged. And we've seen New South Wales on fire, but I've never seen a market, certainly in my career, and talking to Brian, even his career, of a market that's been so sustained across so many, if not every market in the country, whether it's rural, whether it's our office in Broome or our office in Hobart or no matter where, every market's been collectively on fire. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. And yes, it wouldn't have been me that used the word veteran because you know who pulled me up for using that word the last time? Craig Ponty. Right, oh, okay. <laughs> so he told me you're not allowed to use the word veteran. We're still young. Yeah. Well, well prob- I, I, I know Craig very well and I agree with Craig he, on that. He, he's probably listening and, yeah. yeah, I just want to let you know, Craig, I remember. I agree and- with you, Craig. So <laughs> Anyway, um, February, Facebook blocked us all from... Um, from the news feed, um, maybe not Ray White, but but blocked us from the news feed. Um, and then we saw a massive rise in Airbnb listings, which presented a bit of a catch-22 when it came to the rental market, which was in a bit of a crisis at the time. Um, and also in February, the first doses of Pfizer vaccine came out, yep. which has been a big issue this year. Yep. So what are your thoughts on some of those things that, that happened back then? Well, I, I, the one thing that's always amazed me over my career, even now through the last couple of years, when we come into a, a challenging situation, oftentimes I think we overrate or over um, amplify how bad the situation's going to be. We look back in hindsight and all those things, and they really weren't as bad as what it's really as bad as what they were, you know, and and maybe because I am a veteran, I look back and go, you know, what we'll get through this, and no matter what what happens, you know, I can remember long conversations um, early in the part of the GFC, you know, talking to Brian in a coffee shop in Sydney, saying, you know, we'll get through this, and you know, he talked about in previous situations that he'd been in his long career, and 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 I look back now and all the things that we thought were going to be these major problems. In hindsight, they proved to be, in many cases for us, I can't talk for everyone, but in many cases for us, catalyst for us to think differently, apply different way of logic, to see the opportunity that emerged from these situations. You know, so even some of those issues that you raised, Sam, I'm looking and going, were they really an issue type of thing? You know, and I think we look back now, and I think in many ways the businesses, in the industries better for for what's occurred and um, and in some cases not everyone would say that but there's a lot of things that I can look back and say uh, we're better for and there's some other things I think the industry needs to really you know look at themselves away the way they've approached certain things um, it, it is interesting because I remember in 2020 thinking there's a lot of things that I actually like that's happening that people are giving each other more space. Um, people seem more tuned into everyone, like um, the emotional needs of people around them and stuff like that. And then you were hearing this narrative that that people were liking some of those things as well. And then I think early in 2021, it sort of felt like everyone breathed a bit of a sigh of relief and just went, we're going back to normal again. Well, yeah. I mean, I think about my life where I was on a plane every second day for a long period of time and how much enjoyment I've had of being home. I look at, and some of the things that I'm most proud of and I can take little credit for is the way that our organisation and the family, you know, we have now a full wellness program inside the group. Um, that has been just fantastic. And, um, um, you know, it's been really easy and I found myself immersing myself in the challenges and 
all the opportunity that the wellness program provided our network, provided our corporate staff in particular, and, th- and that's, that's filtered down through the network as well. And I've been really, uh, you know, that, that's been a really great tick for what's occurred. I'm not quite sure that would have happened to the extent that it had happened. So that 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 was a really a really cool thing, you know, and and in some really interesting su- subjects, you know. Uh, our senior group, we went did some mental um, health awareness and first aid and all that stuff, and really started to look at different parts of how our leadership needed to be and what we needed to work on. And I found that personally richly rewarding and very challenging, you know. Um, but in hindsight, oh, wellness and all that stuff that I think are so much a part of what it is to be a leader in today's society, I think. What's occurred has, has allowed us to, you know, really push those agendas forward in a really positive way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then in March and April, we saw, you know, because things had sort of gone a little bit back to what they what they were, clearance rate at auction of 84.4% on Super Saturday. I mean, it was probably higher with Ray White because you have the the, the the true auction culture, I think, within your group. Um, and then in April, Australian dwelling values enjoyed their highest month of growth in 30 years. And, and, and thank you. I do think we've worked hard at our auction culture, you know, and we have now a full auction department. The, the stats and the data that we have around auctions, I believe, is second to none, you know, possibly in the world. You know, we've worked really hard. And it's given us insights into that world and what what we needed to do. I think one of the interesting things for us, and we saw the, you know, just the the premium prices we were able to get in the market today, you know, by the fact that that competition, that competition creation, which was such a is such an integral part of of what we do at Ray White. We actually have a document which we use out called the competition creators. And it and it talks about how many registered bidders, which are unprecedented, how many active bidders, how much above reserves we were getting. And just giving, you know, all all the all the, the property owners in Australia some real live insights into, you know, what can occur from that. So that was a really good a really good thing for us. That enabled us to kind of double down in our auction culture. We had businesses from areas that traditionally weren't auction orientated suburbs in their minds. You know, I don't think any suburbs not auction, but kind of jumping on the bandwagon, you know, our internal auction measurement of, you know, what percentage of our stock internally is auction grew. And that and that then flows on to, you know, so many many other attributes. For us it's always been and it will always be that our, our our job is to get the vendor the very, very best price we physically possibly can. Now, I'd like to say we've done that every time. That may or may not be the case. That's still subjective around that. But I think generally as an organisation, we actually try to deliver on that promise all the time. You know, everything we do is skewed towards creating competition, mm. you know, better marketing, more people through the doors. More, more competition created by our auctioneers. You know, we and it must have been through that period too, Sam, which we we pivoted to really quickly in the in the early part. Of, so, once again, so proud of many people in our organisation. You know, um, we pivoted to do online auctions. You know, we had auctioneers. You know, Gav and and Maddie and you know Alex and Tim and all these guys doing auctions from their rooms and. Uh, um, online and um, I was so 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 proud of how everyone just rallied 
around that. And even today, we've got some officers who are, are going to stay on that on that journey, and we, we're now seeing hybrid versions of that. And, and that would never have happened if it hadn't been for the situation we found ourselves in. I've, I've heard of that, actually, that, that hybrid auctions are here to stay. And in fact, I, I said that to someone a while ago. Yeah. I think, I think you know, with the borders reopening and people still yeah. wanting to move, if you don't have that online um, capability, you, you're kind of mad. i got a friend of mine who bought a significant property. Um, he bought it in a state, never left his lounge room, um, sat there on a Saturday afternoon. To his, to his comment to me, I bought the home between the second last and the last race at Randwick. <laughs> and he said, I'd never left my lounge room. He said, how long has this been going on for? You know, And he felt very comfortable. And we found that right across that with the right platform, with the right you know ethics pl- a place to run that, which we were so proud of that, that Australians were happy to play, you know, and, uh, and our numbers and the numbers from that prove that. And I think a hybrid version is here to stay. We did. We did the same thing too. Yeah. It was. It wasn't during Randwick races though. Yeah, it was. Well, they were just my, my <laughs> mate, you know. But it's interesting here, you know. I'm with you live in Southport. You looked at the screen, thinking I was going to come on the screen, you yeah. know. And uh, um, and it's some funny things have happened, you know. Working with Chanel, my EA, you know, and she'd make appointments, and I realised, then I'd say, I've actually got to drive to this one, so we haven't allowed any time for yeah for me, time. drive time, and you know, and then you realise how efficient you can get in this medium. But I also think, you know, I think I'm craving, you know, um, our members are craving to get back to that kind of physical type of, you know, belly to belly copper thing, you know, and um, and I said to someone the other day, um, I'd like a hundred dollars for every time I've said, I think you're on mute. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like there wouldn't be a day goes past where I don't think I've said that, you know, half a dozen to- or someone hasn't said it to me. Oh, Macker, I think you're on mute. You know, and you're shit. You know, how many times have I done this and I'm still muting myself? Still that, yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's funny, you know, like just while we're talking about this, I made the comment the other day. While we did the virtual purchase and the virtual inspection of the places that we're in and all of that sort of thing. You know, people often talk about that, you know, there's six to eight years between people making a move. I think that's going to shorten. And I mean, I'm not making a massive prediction here or anything like that, but I've just made the big interstate move. I've been here for a year now. When you're driving around the place, you sort yeah, of but think- but you've done everything, it? Sam. You've come in <laughs> on the water, the boat, the whole box and dice, you know. I mean, you, you're really starting to live the, the Gold Coast lifestyle. But do you, do you think there'll be people like you know? For example, I think we'll move offices. I think I think I need to give Andrew Bell a call and see what what he's got around around surfers. But um, but you know, people are making these big moves and then they're not quite certain that they've made the move to the place that they want to be. And I actually think if if a real estate agent called me now and said you're happy with that office in Southport, I'd probably be going, hmm, like It's really funny you should say that. Um, one of the other things that occurred for us through the last couple of years were our investment in some technology called Nurture Cloud. Um, I've spent a lot of my time in that space in the last uh, 18 months to two years. And we're able to see analytics. We're able to actually give tools you know, through our Pulse platform, which is the measurement of you know, the board, where, how many sales you made. We've been measuring output. For the first time now, we can actually measure input and actually, actually through the technology, provide our members with technology to see data in a way they've never seen it before. That's an extension of your comment about people. You know, when you look at this data, you know, there, there's so many people who transact in a much shorter 
space of time than what than what people think, you know. And you know, and I think I think there's a lot of traditional rules that you know for someone like me, ministry for a long time, that we thought were kind of like the norms, not necessarily are, you know. And once again, you know, where we are with Nurture Cloud and and the development of that, um, I doubt very much whether would be so far down the track and it hadn't been for the situation we all found ourselves in, in the last couple of years. And we're super excited about 2022. You know, we have, we have a motto, compete where we can win. We can use our scale, use our resources to build this technology that we think is going to give us a decided advantage in, in, in the years to come. Yeah, amazing. Let's talk May. Um, there was a budget. They finally handed down a budget in May, or they actually handed, sorry, they handed down this year's budget on time in May. But I think we're going into a year where we're looking at an election yep. next year. So historically, you know, everything slows down a bit around the election. What are your thoughts? Well, traditionally, if you remember before the last election, you know, I think the opposition came onto the platform of negative gearing. Again? Uh, yeah, and that proved to be... Um, Probably not the right platform. I think, mm-hmm. I think, I think you know you, you don't seem to be hearing about as much as that as, you, as as we did last time. But if you recall last time, Sam, going into that, there was there was um, a decided slowdown leading up to the election. And once again, you know, for us, the data that we have from all the all the all the different areas I talked about before enabled us to position ourselves well with our auctions and, and get real time data between private treaty and auctions and show the difference in clearance rates and days on markets and things like that. I mean, I, I actually, honestly, t- talking to you, I, I actually don't know what's going to happen. There's some signs from the data that I see some markets are starting to be a, a little bit soft, you know, but, you know, from a very, very fast pace to to a not so fast pace, but still a faster pace than what we've had in the past. Um, so so who knows what's going to happen, but traditionally that's what happens. The market gets unsure about themselves. I think the biggest driver, like particularly where we are in Queensland, working with Nerit Oconosby now, our um, economist who's been fantastic for us, you know, getting real insights from narratives through her work and just looking at the amount of migration coming in, say, Queensland, where we are today, you know, it's, it's it's quite incredible, you know, and you see the interest rates being, you know, I think they're going to be in place for a little bit longer down the track. Yeah. So fundamentally, a lot of the boxes that you want to tick to see a, a reasonably strong market are still in play. Affordability is obviously going to come into kind of come into play in a big way as the prices continue to to grow. So there's a lot of things there to like, you know, Queensland talks about where we are today, talks about, you know, uh, the um, uh, the Olympics and, you know, which is still a long way down the track. But you guys, you know, I was talking to you earlier, we were down in Kalanai in Tasmania in the weekend, you know, the amount of kind of tourism that's been driven into Tasmania, the market there is as strong as it's ever been. Yeah, I've talked to agents in Tasmania and they're all yeah. busy as So, yeah. you know, you couldn't get two more diverse states geographically and both for, you know, different reasons, but off the back bone of those two fundamentals of lower interest rates and migration and all that type of stuff, still still and this good migration happened in Tasmania as well. So um so it's interesting. So at at the end of the day, you know, at some stage the market will will soften, whether the election will be the catalyst for that. 
Who, Who knows? knows? Yeah. yeah. You know? That's a, the, last, the last couple of years has taught us that, hasn't it? 100%. So you just mentioned two things that I was going to bring up with you. One is um, Nerida, um, yep. recruiting Nerida as, as the economist. Yep. Is is she given you any interesting insights about what's... Well, 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 well Nerida's been fantastic for us. You know, um, it was one of the... the I think one of the, the major appointments in the industry in the last couple of years. That was probably a nod to the direction that we wanted to go with our, with our data lake. We're one of the few real estate firms in the world that has a data lake. You know, Matt Gay and his team have worked tirelessly over a number of years to put that in place. So Nerit is getting information both from her traditional sources, where she got them from, but getting real information from us. You know, we have, you know, Every Saturday afternoon by seven o'clock, I can just about tell you every bit of information, as can other of the guys, and Nerida's got that. So that real-time data that we were able to provide her, plus the, the information from her, from Nerida's you know, traditional sources, has really enabled us to continue to drive forward with 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 information to the Australian community and and, and public. And Nerida's been uh, kind of you know, fantastic for us, you know. And once again, that's a nod to our scale, and it's a nod to our capabilities, you know. Um, and it's, she's been fantastic. Yeah, she's. Um, the, I've, I've noticed too that Alex and the gang in um, in the marketing team have been twice as busy too, because I've seen twice the information coming out of. Well, Rewrite. it yeah. was always our plan to increase our our our. our our media footprint, yeah, and I think we've done that. Well, the data tells us we've done that very, very well. Um, and certainly with you know Alex and and the team and her fabulous team, they're just they're just great guys and girls on that team. And now with Nerida, it's a f very formidable team in that space. Yeah, very, very strong indeed. And the other thing that you just mentioned was the Brisbane Olympics, which yep. is, um, I mean, what a what a great what a great time to be a Queenslander. Um, so, how do you think that the Olympics will impact the market? in this state for the next few years? Hopefully positively. Yeah. You know, as a property owner in in, uh, in, in, in southeast Queensland, it's uh, you always want to see that. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of infrastructure um, and, and, um, um, and, and, and just, just, you know, jobs and, and, and more spotlight and focus on, on this part of the world. And if I don't know, if I haven't totally seen um, um, the whole picture. Um, for a while, they've been on the on the on the on the board of the Nissan Arena, which is one of the arenas, you know, in, in Queensland. So I get a bit of insight. I mean, the, the Olympics aren't just contained to Brisbane. You know, they're going to stretch basically from the border, right you know, up. right up. You know, so it's going to impact so many places in, you know, probably from the border up to the Wide Bay region. In some cases, even further as they move different sports up and down, you know, the east coast of Queensland. So without having a crystal ball. It can only be positive, you know. How how much positivity it shines on, I'm not sure yet. But it can only be a um, a positive thing, you know. It's really interesting. I got a call the other day from one of our superstar business owners in Kiama, a lady by the name of Michelle Lay, one of my favourite business owners in our group, and um, and she rang me to say that she had a friend of her who wants to buy an apartment in Queensland. So he can come to the Olympics, you yeah. know, what I mean? and, and specifically buying for that particular reason, you know. And I was kind of a bit taken back by that, you know, that that he had the foresight to say, well, "I'm going to start buying now because I think by the time the Olympics come around." So the, you're starting to see a little of those type of things, which are really encouraging. Yeah, well, I, I'm old enough to remember the Sydney Olympics pretty yeah. well. Well, 
most of it anyway. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was just such a great time to be alive. The infrastructure was great. Everyone was worried about traffic, I think, at the time. And it yep. didn't, you know, everything was well planned and, yeah, something to really look forward to. Yeah. But, and, you know, it, 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 you know as, as a person who lives in Brisbane, it's exciting. I can't wait for it. You know, I'm a mad sports fan, so it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So we're in July already. Can you believe it? We've just whipped through that six months as quick as you like. And in July, um, there was a TV show released, Lux Listing Sydney, featuring one of our faves, uh, Gavin Rubenstein. Have you watched the series? No, I haven't. I've watched I've watched part of it. Um, Gav's, a, Gav's a great guy and, and, and done for himself, his business at TRG down there in Wallara, he's done extraordinarily well, obviously. He's a great guy. I have a lot of enormous time for Gav, you know. Um, it's interesting. I haven't watched the show because I don't watch many shows, but uh, uh, Kel and I go to our, our sports trainer four days a week. He was absolutely a nut job on it, you know what <laughs> I mean? So, so, but can I, can I think, you know, and, and I, I think those type of things are, are good for the industry. Um, I think that it that it that those type of things, you know, my uh, a lot of people who tell me about it say that it was it was um, a great series and they really enjoyed it. So it it shone a a, a a positive light in our industry. I think you know. Well, looking at the timing of it, it couldn't have been better because we were all just stuck in lockdown um, at the time, and I think it was just a really and we've definitely seen it in in. Um, in our numbers during the year as well, people like a bit of escapism and, um, you know, looking at all those beautiful properties and things like that, you know, celebrity homes for us have trended this year, can you believe it? Including the home of Brian White's family. Uh, so we we wrote about that and stuck it under celebrity homes and it's actually in our top 20 stories of the year or something like that. That, that home that, that, that uh, Brian and Rosemary um, sold was obviously their family home and have the great privilege of being to many functions that Brian and Rosemary have hosted at that home. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of real estate. You know, yeah, I think, it, I think everyone wanted a little sticky uh, inside that was, one. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a, a magnificent home and, you know, and um, I know it was, a good, it, was a, it was a hard decision, you know, for Brian and Rosemary. They live in Sydney now, obviously, but um, they, you know, uh, the boys did a great job, got a great price, and um, you know, but it was certainly certainly a special property. I was I was going to say it must have been, um, you know, I, I don't know, being at the agent charged with selling Brian White's home, you'd be a little bit nervous, wouldn't you? Well, they're great agents, of course, you know. Um, it was Matt Lancashire, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Matt, Matt, and Dwight, you know, um, were the agents. What was interesting, Dwight Fergus? What was interesting at the time? I was getting, this is a funny story, I was getting um, some orthodontics work done and uh, my orthodontics does really well when you go and pay his bill, you know why he does really well. <laughs> yeah. And he said to me, quote unquote, I'm lying in the chair, he's going, Macca, I was thinking about when to put my house on the market and I saw Brian White's house go on the market. He goes, well, that was good enough for me. We put, <laughs> we put our house. So it was actually the catalyst for a number of people saying, if Brian White's putting his house on the market, then maybe we should too. Maybe he knows something we don't know. And I know two or three guys who said to me, we're going to put a house on the market because Brian's selling his. So um, 
it maybe it was a lot better for business than what we thought, Sam. I, I reckon. I reckon that was a super, super, super smart move. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, September. So September, I think the biggest piece of news to come out of September was the Commonwealth Bank's partnership with Different, who are that property manager, property management, sorry, disruptor. And we did talk to Meena Radhakrishnan from Different a couple of years ago, and this is a bit of an interesting move from them. Um, what do you see? will come out of that partnership in the years to come? Well, this is what I know. This is also, that sounded very opinionated. This is what I believe. I believe that as, as an industry, we have to protect the one thing that's most valuable to us, and that's the relationship that we have with our customers. Whether it's big banks, big portals, I'm talking big businesses, they will, they will direct their their resources towards areas where they think they can get sizable returns. I think as an industry, we've really got to, got to ask ourselves, you know, whether it's in the property management area, whether it's in the sales area, what, what, what part of that can we compete on and win? And it comes down to the relationships. And that's certainly the area as an organisation we're placing some bets on. We believe strongly that those people who have the best relationship demonstrate the best value to their customers and provide, this is a really interesting piece, this one, to provide it easy to list a home, whether in the, in the, in the residential space or whether in the property management space, and take friction out of the process. Well, ultimately, I believe um, win, you know, and we are. We believe that 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 client nurturing part of um, our industry, property management, all that, is where we can control as an industry, and where if we don't control, big business is going to go and do it for us. And I think that's a really important, a really important message. We're not going to be able to sell, stop an ASX listed company to do anything. They'll go and do what they need to do for the best of their business and their shareholders, um, and rightly so. And and I think as an industry, we need to really double down on our ability to build relationships at, at, at suburb and street level. That's where we can win this. So how do you balance the, you know, let's just call it efficiencies and automation um, that you need for just basic productivity with being able to personalise a service and build a relationship because it's really like, you know, some some big companies in Silicon Valley, I think, have successfully done it. But I think maybe that's one of the big challenges for real estate businesses moving into 2022 is how do I mass personalise things or how do I personalise things but still be able to take advantage of automation? It's, it's actually... I've just I just finished having a discussion about that, and I have a saying that the greater the greater the experience, the better the loyalty. Yeah, because you personally invested. Yeah, and so I, I I just had finished talking to a group of agents before I came here today, and I talked about what's the experience you give your customers. You know, what's the experience that a customer gets when they enter your database for the first time. What's the experience? Out of one to 10, where would it be? Now, I, I put myself in a lot of databases across the country, both our network and um, other other networks, you know, big and small, boutique and large. 
And in a lot of cases, you would say the experience is actually very poor. Now, I don't think it's poor because it's difficult. I think it's poor because a lot of people don't focus on it. I think one of the one of the, one of the one of the the um, um, is and there's a saying: um, um, the transaction is where the money's collected. It's not where it's produced. So, I think there's so much focus on the transaction and not enough focus on how it's produced. You know, the money doesn't live in the transaction. The transaction's where you collect it. It's actually not where you produce it. And, you know, our push through Nurture Cloud and what we're doing is about owning the production line. That's not the right word, but owning owning that space in, in a real ground, local level with information that Narrative can provide us that no one else can do. Technology that we can reach more people. You know, technology that's going to allow us to reach more people at the right times of their journey. Technology is going to allow us to reach people with stuff that's really, really, really important to them. Yeah. You know, and you see it all the time. You know, you own a home in a suburb and an agent tells me they've made a sale four suburbs over. And I go, well, how's that relevant to me? I get emails from agents in all over Australia, actually, and they're just less, just sold. And, 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 you know, we've got a big focus on, on, on data hygiene as well. I'll give you an example of that, you know. Um, you know, not so long ago, a couple of years ago, I've got a, a, a hard copy letter at home to, to where I live in Balimba, and it was addressed to about a property that I had sold seven years prior. <laughs> and and, the, and the, it was actually addressed and re- referenced a property that I'd sold seven years prior to. And all it was was someone mass producing from a database they hadn't understand data hygiene on, you know, Things make a difference in this hygiene, and we've learned that, that data hygiene and the maintenance of databases is really important. You know, things happen in the world. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, unfortunately, Mr. Smith passes away, and Mrs. Smith wants Mr. Smith taken off the communication, and people don't see the importance of that, and they go and do it, and Mrs. Smith gets upset about that. It, it, and people don't understand that that there is an opportunity to create a different experience you know, way before that. And I think that's the space that Commonwealth Bank and every other big ASX company, portals, not portals, whatever, that's the space that we have to own as an industry. And if we don't own that space, they will find ways to own it on our behalf. You know, we've already seen, you know, various organisations, both in Australia and overseas, starting to charge heavily for lead gen. You know, as an industry, we have the best opportunity. We see people every Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, you know, midweek auctions. You know, we, we have the opportunity to build the best relationships. I always say, I ask everyone, is this a relationship-orientated business? And everyone goes, yes. And I said, well, write me down a list of all the people that you have a relationship with you've never spoken to. Do you know what? I'm really passionate about that too because being a being a customer of real estate, and moving into a new place, we got a lot of emails on the move in because we're renting. Um, and the emails are very, you know, I find them quite templated and abrupt. Like, you know, so it's almost like, you know, who is this talking to me? But then when I actually met the person behind the emails for the first time, I felt completely differently. It, it, it's, it's, 
The nurture cloud data that we have now has shown us that if you actually physically get in someone's belly to belly, your chance of getting appointed goes up exponentially. That's the first part. The second part is I think I wrote an article, many, I've been writing articles for you for a long time, but I wrote an article a, way, a while back um, and, you know, I, I was going to put it on my own Instagram account, but I just... I think I know the one that you're referring to, actually. The one, is it the one about where... You know, people refer to you as the householder. The article was, and I still remember, I still refer, I just wanted to be called Mark. You know, I actually went to some open for inspections with Cal in the street, across the road. You know, I know a lot of agents, you know, through the work that I do, this particular agent didn't, didn't, didn't know that I was in the industry. We left a non-Ray White email. We said we live across the road at number seven. And they said, oh, so good to see you. you know. And then a day, two days later, I get an email, dear homeowner. And how hard would it have been to cross out and go, great to see you at the open for inspection in handwriting, Mark and Kelly. It would have changed the whole thing about that. And I wrote the article. I just wanted to be called Mark, you know. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, to this day, I still get embarrassed, Sam. You know, we have a lot of members and I go, um, oh, hello, I'm Mark. And I said, oh, they go, oh, I'm Bill. Um, I've met you before, and I go, I feel so bad because Bill's actually saying to me, "Well, you know who I am. Why aren't you calling me Bill?" Yeah. You know, and 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 there's a, there's a fundamental belief by humans they want to be recognised. I said to a group this morning, people want to be known. Nothing more delightful than walking into a restaurant and going, "Good to see you, Sam. Have a seat. Can I get you that? I know you like the rosé. Can I get you that?" People like that. People like to be recognised. You know, and to be able to do that. I think is 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 one of the great great areas that that we're investing a lot of money into. Yeah, well, absolutely, because you know, let's face it, nobody likes moving house, so you're already starting behind the eight ball as as a real estate yep. agent anyway. Nobody actually likes people like that less than going shopping. Yeah, and everyone's gotten very used to online shopping because it's a great experience. Um, so, how do you provide a better experience? It's. I, you know, I don't like shopping at all, and maybe my dread sense would reflect that. <laughs> but I found myself in the last couple of years probably online shopping. And one of the things I do know to be true, Sam, working at home for blocks of time, but three or four months, I actually realised how many parcels actually come over our fence. <laughs> you know what I mean? For, for the, the women that actually live in my household, you know, man, I actually got to see the, the, the I'd be on online doing a, doing a, a Zoom or a Google Hangout and the dog would start barking. I'd go, hang on, there's obviously another parcel just arrived today. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was, that was a great insight for me, you know. Good for commercial uh, real estate. Yeah, yeah, great insight into me to how many boxes come over our fence, you know. But but I found myself, and and um, and the way they market to you. I mean, I, 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 this industry, these cufflinks I got on today. You know, um, I saw a thing the other day. You know, for Black Friday, I, I said to the kids, "I need some new cufflinks." And um, and I got this thing. You know, fifty percent off cufflinks. So I went on and bought four pair. And I said to the kids, oh, "I." I just bought four pair and they blew up because they wanted to buy me for Christmas. And I go, well, they were 50% off and I just had to tick the box and away it went. And they arrived three days later. It was exactly, but the experience was so, and I think that's really important because it takes the friction out. In the past, I would have had to hop in the car, go somewhere. And you don't really go out to buy cufflinks. It's one of those things you see out and go, they look good, I'll buy them. You know what I mean? And it's it's I found that to be interesting in how I reacted to that you know as as a as a you know middle-aged man Sam 
No, we're not. We're not using the. We're not using the V word again. Well, um, well, but, uh, Kelly and I were saying is that is that is that we're going to get old, but we don't have to be old. Oh, I like that. I'm going to use that next year. For sure. Um, so speaking of, um, so we're up to November and you just got yourself a new role within uh-huh. Ray White, which is the Chief of Strategy of Real Estate. Yeah, it's it's um, it was obviously a role that Dan and I spoke about, but it's probably, I think, you know, also a nod to that, you know, we had uh, Bianca Denham and Tim Snell, who I know you've met, you know, you know, kind of coming through our ranks and creating national positions for us, which we're really excited about for 20, uh, 2022. Um, I'm looking forward to working with both, as I do now. Uh, and so my role is to use all the data that we have, you know, to continue to develop our strategy around um, those connections that I talked about. You know, to to integrate, you know, our auction departments um, with the information that we have. You know, how how you know how does narrative play a role that really is effective at, at the kitchen table for our for our people? You know, and it's bringing all the wonderful assets. And you know, I've always maintained this: there's 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 two things about being successful, which I tell my children. One is to love what you do, and I'm more excited about 2022 than I've ever been. In, it's hard to be because I'm always I'm an excitable type of character. And and the second part is to be obsessed, you know, um, and, you know, obsessed in a positive way. Like, I think I'm really obsessed about creating the best environment for our people to grow and our business owners to make as much money as they can and provide for their families. And, you know, and it's so exciting, you know, to, to see Tim and Bianca coming through into 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 senior positions for us. Um, Bianca's from um, Adelaide, Bianca Denham, and Tim's from uh, from Sydney. And, and really kind of controlling the way that we're going to coach and provide, we believe we can provide through the vehicle that we've created, uh, through Dan's vision, um, you know, the, a world-class training academies and coaching academies next year. Once again, family give us great resources to be able to do that. Um, the market's been, been so good over the last couple of years. We're fortunate to be with a, a group and a family that want to reinvest heavily back into into our business and um and so yeah it's exciting i'm really looking forward to it so it's it's something that um is great for for me personally super excited for bianca and tim you know and 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 super excited to be part of a group and a family who just continue to want to improve you know um and it's it's such a good environment to work in yeah that's it that's the education culture as well as as everything else which is well, so you, impressive yeah we um we're very fortunate we get you know uh, boris groisberg the harvard professor in I every love that guy oh it's, it's fantastic so dan and i uh, and um and jason alford and matt gay who's part of the, the, the tech team and kelly we we're able to do um a case study not long ago with um about Amazon and Jeff Bezos, and it was it was an, it was a fantastic um, case study. And Boris delivered that online. And I think this year we did one on Amazon. We did one on Domino's. Um, California Closets has been in, influential in the way. Thing and and a combination of this continual learning, which is the cornerstone of our company, enabled us to build things and and do things in a way that I don't think we ever could have done before if um, if we had, you know, we had a, a crow's nest day. Yes, they were all corporate staff were online for four hours and Dan wrote a case study on Nurture Cloud and what it's, what it's intended and he delivered that to to all corporate staff yesterday. So there's a there's an unbelievable culture of growth and learning inside our organisation. 
Yeah, amazing. You just mentioned three companies that you did case studies on which aren't real estate businesses. So what did you learn from outside the real estate industry that you could apply to the real estate industry? Well, let's take California Closet, which is a company in California that obviously makes closets. But you know their NPS scores and the way their customers come back to them is so extraordinarily high. Their business continue to grow, you know, exponentially. What that taught us is about it's about playbooks. It's about it's about following systems, following processes, making sure each each step's done as best it can, and the net result is that. So we've built a lot of playbooks. Part of Nurture Cloud is actually playbooks orientated. Jason Alton, guy I work with for a long time now, you know, we've talked about what's the playbook here, you know, what's the world-class experience from the time you walk into an open post. So we build playbooks around that. So that was the learnings from California Closets. Domino's was hugely influential for me personally because it enabled us, Domino's talk about, you know, do things as a, as a pizza company and, and they know who they are and, and Domino's um, know they're not the corner store pizza. They're a big multinational company and they use their scale and their resources to double down on that. So, you know, our investment in Nurture Cloud and what we're doing today was acknowledging that what are, what do we have at advantages? Well, we have advantages our scale, have advantages on resources, we have advantage on the way that we, you know, have the ability to employ narrative, have ability to go out and source technology like Nurture Cloud, and, and let's start playing and let's go and compete in this space of building these relationships right across the country in a way that, um, you know. That 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 no one else can, you know, in the crazy mind that I have, you know, just imagine if, if if an agent from Ray White spoke to every property owner every quarter, we'd just win. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, and so that's important. And the last one was was um, Bezos, Jeff Bezos, a part of Amazon, which was a a really really interesting uh, case study, you know. You know, he talked about that. You know, when you're building teams, that you shouldn't build a team. This is quite a funny story. You shouldn't build a team any larger than what two peaches can't feed. And I said to Dan, well, that, that, that <laughs> I, I'm in the team on my own then. You know, and so, so I can nail two peaches pretty comfortably. So, but, um, but just the way they, they approach, and for us it was really important because they we've worked really hard through Matt and, and, and the vision to get data and use data to make better decisions. I think for a long time the industries walked out, licked their finger to see which way the wind's blowing type of thing. You know, I mean, we're making decisions now. For example, I've got a meeting with Tim and Bianca tomorrow afternoon, and we've collected all our auction data over the last year. It looks how it's changed as the market comes towards the end of the year. And we're making decisions on our training programs next year, purely based upon the data. And in the case study of Amazon, Bezos just doubles down on, I make decisions on, 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 on data. And, you know, that that was a great lesson for us. So, you know, we had a situation where the dominoes allowed us to get the data and all that. Each, each of the case studies kind of helps us to vision the next piece for what we're trying to do, you know. Yeah, amazing. And, and really make those those connections. You know, at the end of the day, we're a big company. Um, and, and oftentimes people think, oh, we, we're not nimble and all that type of stuff. I think we're more nimble than most. Um, and certainly, you know, that underpinning um, ethos of continual learning and growing and, and reinvesting, you know, we see it every day in the way, you know, Dan, uh, now as a, a, a leader, he turns up every day in that space and it's very easy to do in that environment. This is the time of the year when people start 
rewriting their agreements with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've sort of left December blank deliberately because obviously we're we're not not too much in December as we record this. Um, but what would your tips be? Like if if you're sitting there thinking, you know, I want to have a different year than what I had this year, next year, like, you know, we, we call it here control C, control V. Nobody wants to con- well, I don't know, if you had a really brilliant year you might want to, you might want to copy and paste. But if something needs to change, what are the things that you would look at? What are the tips that you would give people moving into this new year? There's a couple of things that I know, and I'll tell a story that I told this morning and one that I've told a number of times. If I went to most real estate agents in this country and I said, write on the board for me, here's a marker, go and write on the board what the perfect real estate business looks like from you know, connecting well with your community, building a database, providing value to that, listing the property, providing great open for inspection experience, yada, yada, text messaging, EDMs and all that. I reckon 90% of the industry could actually write the perfect scenario. I'd be very surprised if most couldn't. And what I said to the group this morning, I said, if you followed that perfect scenario, the amount of money that's available to you as a practitioner inside this industry is quite unbelievable. And I said, you know, to make two or three hundred or four hundred thousand dollars a year, there's a lot of people in our industry making that type of money, and many who are making more, as you know, Sam. I said, if you were walk down to the street, if you walk down the street and you walk past a hundred people and you're making three hundred grand a year, how many people do you think you would pass that was making that type of money? And I said, it's, it's probably one in a hundred. I said to one of our officers recently, go and walk up the street here and look at all the small businesses, the cafes, the, the sandwich shops, the dress shops, the shoe shops in this. There'd be nobody in those shops who have got inventory, paying rent, you know, open seven days a week and all that type of stuff would be making, you know, who haven't got a choice to close at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon to pick their kids up from school. You know, this industry provides enormous flexibility to earn a lot of money and to have some flexibility around life. But it gives you, it requires you to handle the one thing that it's the kryptonite is freedom. Freedom, most people fail in our industry because they can't handle the freedom. They can't handle the freedom. They want the freedom, but freedom's like kryptonite to Superman. You know, it's three o'clock on a Friday afternoon, do I make 20 calls or do I go home? The people who do really well, like Gavin, Gavin handles the freedom unbelievably well. Matt Lancashire handles the freedom unbelievably well. These guys just know that that every time they have an hour, it's an opportunity. So I think that I think I think I think for that would be first and foremost, just respect the industry that you're in and acknowledge just how wonderful it is. That's the first thing. The second thing for me would be that this industry is just a it's it's just a sequence of tasks. Businesses aren't defined by what agents do. Businesses are defined, Sam, by what agents choose not to do. And each and every one of you, our people, other people, know there's certain parts of that perfect plan which they know that they choose to leave out. For example, I know through our marketing team, um, Todd and Nat, who do a wonderful job, and they're wonderful, wonderful team, you know, um, they're great bunch of people. We actually did a cooking class for them on this week. We have an online cooking class, which we've done through which we've done through COVID. So we did uh, Spanish, uh, we did uh, chicken and chorizo Spanish rice on, on Thursday. Because you were a chef in a no, pre- no, no, I've never been a chef. No, I've never been. I really like cooking though, but um, I find it the only place I go where I actually don't think about real estate for 45 minutes. But, you know, um, 
uh, the team did some surveys about where our listings came from. Something like 72% came from a relationship-orientated area. I have no doubts that social media can underpin that and and be part of your ecosystem. So the first thing would be be honest with yourself and just have a look at the things that you're not doing. And everyone knows the things they're not doing. They're not making the calls. They're not doing the magic 50. They're not sending the text messages out. They're not ringing everybody back who comes through the opens and all that. Everybody knows what they're doing wrong. And just make a commitment to yourself. And I call it just the one brick. And I tell a story about we're getting a kitchen renovated and I watched the, I watched the tiler put the tile down. He took about 15 minutes to lay the first tile and then about five minutes to lay the, the next 20. And, he, and I, I asked him about it. And he said, well, if I can get the first tile right and it's perfect, straight, square, the rest is easy. This one's out. By the time I get to the end, I've got to come back and relay them and fix it. And I say to everyone, just make a commitment to do one thing well. Lay the first brick. I, I say to people all the time, there's so much information from, you know, from real estate coaches, from broadcasts, from podcasts, from every other type of cast that are out there. <laughs> Just pick one thing and say, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to, for the first quarter of this year, I'm going to build the perfect open for inspection on the way I present, how I turn up, how I live in that space, how I follow up, the experience I give my, get that right and then lay the next bricks. Too many people just try to lay too many bricks. So my advice would be be honest with yourself, acknowledge the wonderful opportunity in the industry, pick one brick, find ways to handle the freedom. And and the last one for me, and the most important, just be a good person. It's amazingly how long, how far, just being a good human can take you. That is some incredible advice. Um, I would like to thank you for joining us for our end of year no problem. episode. It's been amazing to and it's great to see you actually in the flesh again. Oh, good to see we, you too, Sam. Which is which is amazing. If there was um so there's one question I always ask mm-hmm. people at the end at, at the end of the podcast and you've just given a cracking piece of advice and because it's Christmas I'm going to ask you a different question and that is what are you wishing for from Santa this year? Oh, that's pretty easy. It's the same for me every year. Happiness, you know, happiness and health for my, for my, for my family. You know, that's all. You realise as you get older, Sam, that nothing else really matters that much. You know, like one of the early questions about all the dramas that we face with, we've got over them all. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, and 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 we'll, we'll, you know, you hear a lot of the problems that's happening, and you go, well, you know what? Yeah, they're challenging. We'll get through them. Brian said to me one day, Brian's been a great mentor for me. You know, I've been just privileged beyond to have spent a lot of time with him, you know. And I find myself quoting him all the time. And I can remember through the GSC, we were sitting in a coffee shop in Sydney. The markets were, you know, we're, we're, we're going haywire and we're going, I'm going, shit, how are we going to manage this? You know what I mean? And all that type of stuff. You can imagine. So when was the GFC? Um, 2008. So what's that? 12, 13 years ago. So I was middle-aged in my in my in my early 40s and well, mid 40s. And I can remember sitting there with Brian, and he was having a having a, a coffee, and he was jovial and happy. And I said, "Mate, what's happening here? Why aren't you just?" And I never forget what he said. He said to me, "He goes, it's it's times like these, Macca, that make the good times look really good, and you and you've got to have a bit of these to make the good times look good, you know. And and I think you know what I want. I just want people to be happy, whether they work for us or not work for us, you know. And I genuinely believe that, and and everyone to stay healthy, you know. And if that if that's in place, then the rest is a bonus. 
Absolutely. Mark McLeod, thank you so much. And Merry Christmas. Same to you, Sam. See you, mate. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.